Here we go. It's time to shift our schools. Welcome to Shifting Our Schools podcast. Shifting Our Schools is created and produced by Jeff Udick and David Carpenter. Shifting Our Schools podcast is released under a Creative Commons 3.0 share like license. In other words, if you like what you hear, go ahead and use it. All right, so welcome to Shifting Our Schools episode 18, where David and I are all by ourselves this week. So it's good to just be back to being you and me after having some great guests the last couple of weeks and a great episode just a couple of days ago where we had John and Jeff uh, join us from uh, Virginia. And that was a great episode. Make sure you download that to watch. So how are you doing tonight, David? Just very well. And, and I'm back from that ADE conference that we spoke about last time and kind of getting my legs under me again. And just it's wonderful to be back in the classroom. And it's tough to be away for a week, but it was well worth it. How are things going for you? Pretty well. Um, let's talk a little bit about ADE because, I mean, last time, last Thursday we were here, your Skype dropped out about halfway through, and we yes. really didn't get a time to debrief, and you were still dead tired by the sounds of things. So exactly what did you do? I mean, how do they set up? Because I don't even know how any of that works. How did they set up uh, mm-hmm. all of that and get that going for you down there? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's a mixture of uh, they bring in like a superstar ADE from either the region or the U.S. In this case, we had someone come in from the U.S. And uh, she leads out as a fellow educator. And um, then we have the the Apple representatives who are just very talented bunch and have a lot of resources to share. So it's a mixture of their um, – sharing resources and getting um, folks to collaborate. Uh, a wiki was set up immediately and people were sharing information. Um, so that kind of natural uh, give and take between the folks uh, facilitating and, and, and then all the ADs uh, was really fantastic. Um, then as, as like a lot of conferences, you, you make your connections to people at lunch and at breaks and um, start finding out what other people are doing and see what you have in common and what um, what ideas or things people are doing and what you can build off of. Um, so that was a big part of it. One of the neat things that I mentioned just briefly in the last podcast is they do a like a challenge expedition, a discovery learning opportunity where uh, they, they give the group different themes of um, – like the the one we chose was cultural awareness, and one dealt with uh, conflict and security. And there were a couple others, and I worked with a, uh, a couple other folks, uh, both from Singapore. So for me, it was a wonderful cultural experience just learning from them about Singapore. It's it's truly a, a very distinct place with the different cultures that are there. And one of the guiding principles, as it was explained to me, was. In Singapore, it's very systematic. It's in the schools. It's uh, it's in uh, 
public programming that people really work to sustain their own culture and, and really take good care of it. But there's also that kind of common area that when you're out with other people in work or you're out um, just out in the city that you have a common language of English and um, you're respectful of other customs and understanding and, and try to do things that, that wouldn't step on other people's toes. So that, that was a real a wonderful experience, and we used that for our challenge uh, expedition. So that was about a day and a half. Wow. Of doing that, so and, and 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 one of the things you and I talk a lot about are what are the takeaways from from any experience, um, and for that experience, it really was the idea that you can go to this Apple Learning Interchange online and see these challenge expeditions that people have been building for years and posting and going back and, and working on. Um, so I, I challenge everyone to go and take a look. Um, because they, if if you believe in constructivist, student-centered discovery learning, that's that's what you're going to find there, and, and it can help you build your own unit plans and such. So it was a wonderful experience. And Apple is, we know they're smart people that run the company, and they've made a, uh, they've put good roots into your into Europe, into Asia, um, and it's really paying off they're 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 getting schools to say hey i think we're interested in, in using apple products and uh my old school hks i'm hearing the middle school is going to go apple next year which is huge wow that is huge it's a big deal that is big yeah so that's excellent so between so that and get, shanghai did you get to spend a lot of time did you get to spend a lot of time like talking about apple issues like issues related specifically with Apple computers and Apple hardware and Apple software, or was it more focused on teacher practices in the classroom? It was, Jeff, it was all about the learning, and, and that's what made it so wonderful. We, re- we really didn't talk about Apple at all. Um, for me, as someone relatively new to Apple, it was very enjoyable to work with people who had been using uh, Macs for years, and uh, I'm on a a steep but easy learning curve, as we know from using iLife and iWork, it's it's very quick to pick up. But these, so many of these people were just experts at it, and it really where that came out. Uh, that was in the uh, challenge expeditions that that we would pr- produce the exp- expeditions and then um, load them up to the server, and then then each group also did a presentation. So. Th- that was that was the one Apple part of it, just getting into the tools on the creativity side. But otherwise, there wasn't really there wasn't any really talking about um, Apple products. It was learning focused. Well, that's good to hear because I was always afraid that it would be more Apple focused than uh, it maybe mm-hmm. needs to be. But you know, it's it's so interesting because there's part of me that I I play back and forth with what I would expect out of that. Like, there's a part of me that wants the learning focus that. I understand that's what it's all about, but there's another part of me that says, well, actually, with my role, I already understand the learning side of it. I really want to know the mm-hmm. back-end side. Like, I really want to understand how do you set up an Apple Wiki at this point and what does the Apple Wiki do so mm. that I can go back and use it with my teachers. And that's what I struggled with, whether mm-hmm. or not I wanted to go to ADE for that purpose. Like, There's part of me that I understand mm-hmm. that, and it's about making connections. In the long run, you go to find out and learn from other people in the area. Which I think, you know, that's the reason why any of us go to conference face to face at this point. I think. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and that would be that's the just the kind of insight they want. I mean, it, it was so well organized and, and run, and then he kept asking for how can we do better? How can we do better? But it isn't how we do better; it's how can we differentiate this for different needs. And so, what I would say to you, hopefully, it will be in Bangkok next year, so you just you don't have very far to go. But I, you just you just email the folks in charge and say, could we do a portion on this? Yeah. Uh, and I suspect there'd be plenty of people. Who would be interested? Because you've, you've got an interesting point. I came home to speak to my wonderful wife and talk to her about it. And I said, it was so incredible, Margaret, to be around all these shifted people. And there there was no struggle on how to develop this curriculum. And it was all concept-based. And as like that article that you mentioned that we wrote, so so much of our job is sitting in meetings and helping folks find the concepts, those big ideas that they're teaching towards. And that's very, very difficult work. And it was so neat to be in a room where it, that's all people thought about. There, there wasn't, con- they weren't thinking about content. It was, what are the kind of skills that kids are going to pick up? But what are the big learnings, the ideas that we're going to hopefully get a bunch of brain pops on when kids do these challenges that we're creating? So it felt good. It felt very good. That's good. Yeah. Well, that's good. And I'm glad you had an opportunity to go. I know that uh, other people I've talked to that went seem to have a, a good time as well. And, and I've always heard great things about the Apple Distinguished Educator Program, and it's always been a good thing to uh, to be a part of. Mm-hmm. So hopefully next year I'll be able to get a part of it too. It, the interesting thing is I wouldn't have been able to go even if I would have been able to go. Because I know. They had, the, they had the the airport shut down, so – Oh, well, everything works out oh. for a reason, and we'll uh, hopefully get, get a chance to go to it next year and connect with people around. Uh, let's go ahead and get talking yeah. about our topic tonight, which is talking about some of the best practices that you and I have seen in the first semester at our schools, talking about highlighting some of the teachers in our region. And I just do want to point out mm-hmm. in the chat room right now is uh, Brian Lockwood, who I have to give a shout-out to because he was helping me get set up with Stick'em tonight. And it always seems to be around everywhere. He's always on Twitter. And uh, <laughs> he's a great guy to have in your network for sure because he's always willing to pop right in and, and help you out with anything. And we got to make sure we get Brian on the podcast sometime soon to talk about what he's doing in Japan because I know he's doing some great things at his school as well. So a good shout-out to Brian. And uh, I know he's, in, he's always listening. He's a faithful listener to uh, – Shifting Our Schools podcast. So let's go ahead and start with you. What are some of the things that you're seeing in your school, some of the teachers uh, that you see as having shifted practices and some of the cool projects that are happening where you're at there? Yes, and I'm going to make a connection to the podcast last week where where you were talking about uh, in our roles as instructional technologists um, that – we can help finesse uh, just a single lesson or hopefully we can be in the curriculum development process and and really look at how we develop our curriculum. And then there are the times that you just sit down with the teacher and say, hey, let's hear what you're interested, what are your learning outcomes, and let's put our heads together and, and see what happens and be ready to take some risk and kind of almost just jump off the cliff and see what happens. And I, you were very clear about that in the last podcast and, and and you just you see what happens and so we have at Sinchu International School uh, one young incredible uh, educator her name is Panda Smith this is her first year at our school 
She is a board-certified science teacher, a natural leader, and just a, a person who just walks into a learning situation and, and thinks about how can I differentiate, how can I reach different kids, and what are the skills and what are the big ideas I want to get kids to. And she, was, she met with Brent Loken, and she was talking to me as well about a project uh, expedition that she wanted to do, and this was about... Uh, six weeks ago, and it was a little scary um, it, it, because it was going to be jumping off that cliff, but she gave it a go, and, and what it was was an energy bar project, and I asked her to write down what her thinking was now that it's completed. They finished it about a week ago, so let me just read what she said, and, and hopefully for teachers out there that are listening to this, it can give them a little push and a little confidence to say sometimes you just got to jump and you got to see what happens. So this is what Panda Smith shared with me. The expedition question was, what are living things made of and what do living things need? The project was an introduction into our human body, how our human how our body uses energy, and we started by generating a list of essential questions that we needed to answer to build an effective energy bar. Once the students wrote their questions, we gathered together and reworded, reworded and combined questions to get down to six student-generated essential questions. Students worked in small groups, three to four, to research their questions, and then they used that research to make decisions about their energy bar. Students then spent some time fine-tuning what would the ingredients be in their bar, uh, looking at the science side of it, um, so they could make. A, they also needed to make a recipe so they would be tasty uh, and functional, that people would eat them and actually have higher energy. Students created websites for their bars, presented them during an all-gathering. Then they made enough bars for a school-wide taste test. And now, um, what Panda said, looking back, reflecting on that project, I think that the students didn't quite go as deep as I, I'd hoped they would. I wanted them to go into the cell processes involving the mitochondria and other organelles, and they just didn't go that deep. However, these are the chances you take when you jump off the cliff for the first time. Now that I've already jumped, I can look towards the changes I can make to help kids get the information need on their own. So she, she's, she's really into WebQuest, and she really loves inquiry and helping students find answers on their own. So the next year, I think I will either fill in the topic questions underneath the student-generated essential questions or integrate essential vocabulary that, mu- that they must use in their answers. It wouldn't just be a list of defined words, but it would help me guide their research to go where they want to, but also where they need to go. And, and for you and I that help people design constructivist discovery learning opportunities, we know just how much work has to go in ahead of time and how much scaffolding. And you just sometimes you just got to run it through, see how it goes, and just take notes as you go. And as you can see from what Panda uh, experienced, she knows she's got to add just a little bit more scaffolding to make the kids go a little deeper in their, their research uh, process. So that that was really exciting and it was neat. The kids were walking around sharing their energy bars so it ended up with a real hands-on uh, ownership product. So pretty cool stuff. Cool. Yeah. So so what about you? What do you have for us? Oh, um, one of the <clears throat> excuse me. 
one of the teachers that uh, has just taken to this stuff is is and ab- actually needs absolutely no help from anybody at our at our school is Chrissy Heller, and she blogs at the Teacher Sagittarian, and I'll put her link in the in the chat box here. But she is compl- she is amazing. You want to talk about a woman that just jumps and asks questions later and understands what student center <laughs> teaching is about. This is it. She's a fifth grade teacher, and uh, she was brought into our school already shifted and has hit the ground running here. And she's one of those teachers where if there's anything you need or you think could happen, she's the person you go to. So what, uh, one of the things I just worked on and I blogged about this the other day actually was that the pre K teacher came to me and was looking for some audiobooks to be created. And so I went to Christy and said, Hey, can I use your room? Can we, uh, use your kids to just record their, just to do a simple record their, record these audiobooks for the pre K kids so that they can sit there and listen to somebody read them the story because they don't all have, are at the same reading level. And the teacher wants to just have some recordings so the kids can look at the pictures and be able to, uh, listen to the story as they read. And she's like, Oh yeah, no problem. When do you want to do it? And so instantly we set up a time. Uh, I grab the books. I drop off the books on the Wednesday. We come back in on Friday and I record the voices and I'm like, Oh, thanks. That's all. And she's like, no, 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 no. Bring the audio files back and we're going to edit them because I want the kids to build, to start learning, um, garage band. She goes, I don't understand garage band. She goes, but you can help them to learn garage band because there's some projects I want to do. So we came back Mm -hmm. and the kids then over about a, it took us about an hour period. She set aside an hour for me. I came in on a Monday and the kids went in and they edited their GarageBand files. They went in and added a little ding every time they they turned the page because they realized that pre-K kids weren't <laughs> going to know when to turn a page. So they had to go in and edit out every time they turned a page and add in a little ding sound so that the kids knew where to add a page. And then they started working with things like putting a little intro music and exit music. And they started just doing things on their own, which was very, very fascinating to kind of watch and see how kids just explored the program. And... So it was a great project and I get done and I think the whole time, this is so great of Chrissy to be allowing me to take her precious class time to make these audiobooks for pre-K. But in the meantime, Chrissy had been planning saying, okay, what's the opportunity here? How can I use this in my classroom? And so part of the things you do in literature is you talk about voice and you talk about voice inflection and you talk about character development. So then she's taking the recordings that the kids have created and the kids are, kids are going to be listening to each other's recordings and having conversations about voice, about the way you speak when you're creating an audiobook. you know, that you talk a little bit slower, that your voice inflection needs to be a little more, uh, needs to be a little more perfect. You know, your pronunciation is such a key when you're reading into an audiobook. So it was just interesting that here's a teacher that at, at the, the only thing that I asked her to do was just to give me her kids so I could record some audiobooks. And the next thing I know, she's turned it into this amazing lesson that, literally takes in goes into her reading and writers workshop and is able to use those lessons. And I think those are the kind of teachers that those teachers that have those practices where they can grab a any opportunity they have and find a way to make learning out of it. And that's yes. just Chrissy. She's just she's so fabulous at it. She gets she gets to she came out of New Zealand um and we don't I try not to hold that against her, but <laughs> uh the first thing she does is she sets up a, a blog for the class. And so here she, I just put that in the chat room. Here's the blog for the class. And every kid uh, blogs on the same blog. So it's a classroom blog. And, you know, here's like I'm reading through the post from 
what's this today? Uh, this was on the fifth. Um, somebody posted a thing about save a tree. It's a little poem that they wrote about different ways that we can save a tree. And it was very interesting. The kid said, the next time you hand out sheets of paper for the class to work on, ask them to write the answers in their math book. Now all you have to do is save the paper and use it again. <laughs> so it's interesting because she yes. just has kids that are constantly putting stuff up there. So here's another post on the fifth called Daddy, uh, where she talks about going home with her dad uh, and he, because he'd been gone for a long time and what that was like when he came back. So it's just really cool that she has found a way to bring these tools into her classroom. And of course, Chrissy just can't stop at a blog. She also has a wiki for the class where they do different projects. Mm. So, I mean, this th- she is constantly on the internet, and they're doing all types of things. Uh, so she has student pages. She has tutorials that she's always doing. She has learning links, online writing assignments that the kids are doing, um, reader's workshop. And so a lot of her homework is handed out through there. They're doing a lot of things where they're collaborating with classrooms around the world. So like on the front page right now, it says, Latest Works, our new collaboration project is with Moodle. But it's not our Moodle. It's a Moodle that's based out of Florida. And so obviously she's doing something with a class in Florida. And that's just Chrissy. Like I, every time I go into a room, she's started a new project, just finished a project. You know, she Skypes in Alan Levine from Iceland. I mean, this woman is just completely finds ways to use the tools for learning at any opportunity that she has. She's one of those teachers that you're scared to almost go with her with an opportunity because you know that whatever you thought you were going to do is going to be end up being 10 times bigger. So it's great when you have teachers like that on your on your staff that allow you to to really look at some of the things that um, that are shifted and you can go with with an idea and know that you know, here I have an idea to do this and know that the teacher is not only going to grab the idea, but is also going to stretch you to think in a different, in a different way as well. Mm-hmm. And, and it's good to always have somebody like that, that you don't always feel like you're the person that's, you know, the front runner. Like here's a classroom teacher that I can go to at any time along with Kim Kafina, who I sat and talked with all day today. And now my brain hurts, but it was, <laughs> uh, you know, here's, here's Chrissy that you can go to and say, Chrissy, you know, I don't know if this is going to work. But what do you think about this? And she's like, work. Oh, that'll work fabulous. And next thing you know, you're off and doing these amazing projects together. So it's great when you have teachers ah. that are willing to just do that. And that's that's a, one of my shifted elementary teachers that I absolutely had nothing to do with. She came to our school that way, which is such a blessing. It is a blessing. Uh, and, and and when we try to describe someone with that, I think it you crystal, I crystallize it in that she's a learner. She sees situations and what what. What can she learn? And then from that learning, what can she do? Um, and, and that's what we're looking for. And when we say we're, we're trying to build these learning communities, well, I think the first step is we have to be learners. We have to be open to new ideas and build off, off each other's ideas, as, as you're saying Chrissy does. So yeah. that's fantastic. All uh, right. Let me, let, me see. let me pull up what we're doing here in our our middle school, we call it Institute One, which is grade seven and eight. And I'll talk about our use of WebQuest in our humanities classes. Um, humanities, I, I, I think for a lot of people, when they look at, uh, look at humanities, they look upon them as activities that are a part of a unit or an expedition, not a, a whole expedition. And so we've taken a, a different tact and made our... Um, WebQuest into the whole expedition. Everything's there 
on the web, which means uh, making them a little bit different than the, the normal ones that you would find maybe at uh, Bernie Dodge's site or some of those other places where people keep uh, collections of WebQuest. Um, we are um, in our... They're a little different for our 7th graders than our 8th grader, eighth graders. There's a continuum of how much we scaffold. Our 7th grade WebQuest are very scaffolded uh, with several listed tasks within the process section. So, so in a WebQuest, as you normally have that process section, there's maybe just a couple tasks, but uh, the way we're building them is they'll have lots. We really break them down. And um, so that students would do work, bring them into class, share what they have, and then we go to the next task. Because for especially at our school with a lot of ESL students and, and students who have been coming, coming from the local schools, um, direct instruction uh, classrooms, it's really different to be in a student-centered classroom and especially where, where it's inquiry-driven and, and you're in charge of, of finding information and filtering through information and finding what's valid and what, what helps you towards your essential questions and what doesn't. So uh, that's, that's the seventh grade. The eighth grade web quest, we start the year where it's pretty much the normal model that you would find if you go out and do a search for web quest. Pretty open-ended on the research pursuits around the essential questions. And what's neat as we move further on the continuum towards uh, student independence in their learning, um, by the end of the eighth grade, the students uh, in eighth grade have much more choice to decide where they will go in the WebQuest expeditions. They're still around broad topics like 21st century Europe or 21st century Asia. That's a huge wide topic, but within that, the students go through the research cycle and, and, and do a little looking around and try to define, hey, what do I really want to learn about? What, what gets my interest? What gets my passion? So I, I think that's an interesting thing uh, that we're doing with WebQuest. Um, a little bit more for it is, as normal WebQuests, they are centered around students and roles searching for information to, us, to answer essential questions, and we use online databases and resources and library books. But one of the things that, that we use, uh, it's a little different, um, an incredible master teacher who my wife and I worked with in Saudi Arabia, Don Zimbrick, he's retired now, but he came up with an acronym called SPRAT plus G. And what it is, it, when you break the study of social studies down, you get into economics, sociology, political science. And those are the roles that we assign the kids. Um, so this acronym helps students better understand the components of social studies. And they take on roles of being economists, uh, sociologists, political scientists, religious historians, artists, and technologists. Uh, and they all work together. And one of the guiding themes always is how does geography, because it is a social studies uh, course, humanities course, how does geography affect their disciplines and how does it affect the people, the civilization that they're studying? Uh, students work individually and as teams. And one of the ways that we bring in some Web 2.0 technologies for collaboration is we use MindMeister. There's Bubble and there are a few other uh, Web 2.0 mind mapping tools. Um, I really like MindMeister because it, it has some nice little tools within it. Like you can easily put a link into where you you got your information. Um, that when you open it, create a new node, and you you put in whatever the topic is. You can 
add a link to it, and they've got this wonderful uh, node function um, that you can put all your notes, and then it just disappears into a little a little bubble, uh, so you don't take up a lot of screen space. So I've, I've really enjoyed using that because I am a humanities teacher as well as an IT person. But as as you and I know, one of the great things about Web Toy Web 2.0, it lets you have 24-7 access to what the students are doing, and so it allows our teachers to go in and make comments and really facilitate where the students are going with their research. We also use Google Docs. When students finish their research and they're working towards their projects, uh, and they're usually team-created projects, they'll use Google Docs as a, a preparation area Well, they'll consolidate all their research, they'll do their planning, and, and one could use a wiki for this as well. Uh, other, I guess there are plenty of other tools for collaboration on that level. And with the projects at the end of the WebQuest, um, the students uh, throughout the year, as they finish their projects, they choose their best work, not only from humanities, but from all their courses to be placed in their online portfolios. And so that's a big thing we do at Sensu International School. All the students have portfolios. Um, and when they put an artifact in the, in the portfolio, just like a, any good or, uh, portfolio, we have a reflection section. And one of, the, one of the things that we do that I think is so powerful, and I've blogged about this in the past, is our student learning outcomes are so important to us that we, we integrate them everywhere that we can. And so when students reflect on, let's say it's a, a science uh, project they, they've put in, and let's say it's about their, their energy bar, they reflect on the learning process. But then they look at how did I use any or all of our five student learning outcomes to complete this project. And our, our learning outcomes are critical thinker and problem solver, effective communicator, community contributor, person of high character, and active learner. And just as a side note, what I really, and I wasn't a part of the team that created these, but what I really like about these learning outcomes is they're very action-oriented, and they're very discoverable by the students. And what I mean by that is they're going to have their initial understanding of what does it mean to be an active learner. But as we know, that has so much meaning to it. And as they grow and develop, it's going to take on nuances and, and take them in different directions. So that's one of the things I know you, you're really working with schools to uh, revisit their mission statements and their learning outcomes. And uh, as you know, Margaret and I are, are, are uh, recruiting right now. And we're looking at a lot of websites for schools. And Boy, if those 21st century skills and, and, and active learning and inquiry and constructivist learning aren't there, it's, it's really a letdown. So any, I think for schools, as, as they bring you schools, in, Jeff. How many schools help, are you uh, finding that are actually like that? I'm finding very few. It's, I, I, yeah, you know, I guess sometimes we, we have to be upbeat, but it does get a little depressing it does. talking about our shifted world, and I will jump to what John was saying last week, that only six of all those professors out there in the United States in uh, educational leadership connected with uh, information literacy and technology and progressive learning. I mean, that, that was a jaw-dropper. So, But that, that, that kind of, to wrap it all up, I was just going to mention some of the essential questions because as, as I've shared before, I'm a real believer in curriculum. If you really do it well and get everyone involved and, 
you're aiming towards big ideas and, 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 and ideas that aren't set in stone, that people are going to have different interpretations. So I'd, let me just read a few from the, the – uh, and they're, they're all over the place because there are many different types of expeditions in different time periods. Um, one is what do governments do? What is culture? How are nations formed? How do we learn? Uh, and how can dictatorships be prevented? So that's a pretty wide range. But those are the kind of uh, learning outcomes we're moving our kids towards, and it's pretty exciting. Yeah. Brian Lockwood has a question for you in the chat room, and it's, uh, David, aren't there better places to recruit other than the normal fairs? Are you looking for other ways to recruit? Are you contacting schools directly? We had this, we talked about this uh I, I talked about this in a Second Life session with Chris Smith, and he was interesting because it's been forever since he recruited for a school. But some of the changing ways that, that schools are recruiting are, are going about recruiting. Have you noticed any changes from the last time you recruited? Because you've only been you've been at that school now for it's only years? been two years. Two yeah. years, okay. Well, we yeah we came to Taiwan for the the short term just for two years so our children could get uh, Mandarin. We'd been in Hong Kong and. They had wonderful Mandarin teachers at HKS, but uh, Cantonese in the street. So we said, well, let's go to Taiwan, a good clean air place, and get um, get the Mandarin. But then we're going to Europe or North Africa. We've been, we've been <laughs> saving our whole lives to go to Europe. I think we're finally going to get there. We hope, fingers crossed. Um, what I can share is two different people spoke uh, to Margaret and I in the last week, and it, and it really was in, insightful that I – that I thought we were pretty much on top of the game, but we have we've never dealt with Europe, even though we taught in Scotland like thirteen years ago. And what they shared was is that their feeling was that Asian schools, like here you and I representing Asian schools, are further out there in coming up with much more uh, quick and uh, flexible ways to work with new hires. Because I can say. Taipei American School, where my wife is, they're already hiring and they're doing it through Skype, I guess. In HKS, Bruce Kelsch, my wonderful previous principal, he's been using Skype for years. And um, so they're, they're lining up people and hiring them in, before the holiday. But what these two people shared once we're entering the realm of Europe, and we've seen it on a few of the schools, is that there's – some of them are still using the old framework where folks have in, until some point in January to say when they're going to leave. So when you go to their website, you'll find a lot of tentative openings. And some that it, they say, we, we're just not even going to post them uh, yet. And then it's a case of um, uh, no information about we'd like to, to talk to you ahead of time or get information. And so... My wife and I had a nice critical conversation that I didn't want to go to Bangkok. I said, why would we go to Bangkok? There are not going to be any European schools. And she said, there'll be a few. We've got to give it a go. And these two people that were talking to us said more and more schools from Europe, the ones that are thinking ahead, are coming to Asia because they know they're going to get uh, good teachers, people that have been overseas, that have been at some of these high-powered schools. And uh, we're finding now that we're just checking off school by school that is coming to uh, ISS and search in Bangkok that have openings for us, thankfully. We hope things are going to work out. And when we look at Europe, uh, there's I think there's one main fair, CIS, but there's not a whole lot more. So to answer your question, I think 
people were telling us and we were experiencing several of the schools in Asia are doing the direct contact. But from our experience so far with the European schools, we're not finding that in place. So I don't, I, how does that compare to what you're hearing? Well, it's uh, actually it compares very well um, because I the thing that I'm finding about European schools is there are schools there that are one to one and they're thinking about changes mm-hmm. that happen educationally, but they're not taking they're not moving those same opportunities over into the recruiting realm. And it's just I don't know I'm mm. finding it interesting. I'm I just got done uh, applying for a conference to speak at a conference in April. And I put this out on Twitter, and it still just drives me. I mean, this was the form that I filled out under audiovisual audiovisual aids. Here are the check boxes that you could check: a thirty-five millimeter slide projector and screen, audio cassette player, oh a CD player, or an overhead projector and screen, or a flip chart. Those are the boxes that you have to pick under audiovisual wow. aids. And then there's a whole nother section of, for video cassettes. Do you need a video cassette player for use in your presentation? Check yes or no. What kind of video system do you need? Do you need VHS PAL, VHS NTSC, or VHS C, uh, CCAM? Is that just Jeff, crazy? you've got to screen, ca- screen capture that and do a post or maybe well, I don't behind really, in my, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm it, trying to get this. I'm trying to get this conference to uh, – that's right. You want the job? Except my presentation, which is why I won't give the name of the conference. I feel so bad. And then there's this whole section about a computer, and in big bold letters, will you be using a computer in your session? Check yes or no. And then underneath that, it oh is, will you be providing your own data projection facilities? Like, does that mean I have to bring my whole data projection facilities? Do I have to take like a whole school with me that has a data projector? <laughs> and then there's another one that says, if computers are essential, and essential is bolded to your presentation. Please give details here. So if it's not essential, I guess we're not allowed to have people bring their laptops. And I emailed them mm. and said, look, a lot of what I do is technology-based. Is there going to be any, you know, what's the chances of, of having, um, you know, wireless for participants? And they said, oh, there's probably not going to be any, any chance of having wireless for participants. Actually, as a presenter, I think we'll have, wired pre- I think we'll have a, a wired connection for you, but I need to check on that. And I'm thinking... This is just nuts. Like it's 2008 and this is going to be an administrative conference where you can't tell me mm. that administrators would not expect. I would hope that administrators would expect that when they go to a conference, they'd still be able to be connected to their school, wherever it is, at least for no other reason to check email. I don't know. Yes. Like it's, yes. and this is, it, this is a, a administrative conference for international. It's an in, administrative conference for international schools in Europe. And so if that is any indication that they haven't really made the mind shift in what's out Mm. there. And it's interesting because I know European schools that have gone one-to-one that are looking at how education is changing when computers are introduced. But at the same time, there's this whole other side that looks like it's just been, I mean, it's, I I don't know. It's, I, it's just, I, I, I boggles my brain. And there's part of me that's like, oh, yes. they really need me there, whether or not they see that they need me there, or not, maybe not just me. Mm-hmm. They need somebody there, right? They need somebody there to tell them how just out of date this is. Um, anyways, so I, I, I think that's right. You know, I find a lot of Asian schools are 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 becoming earlier and earlier. I mean, uh, I as Bangkok here, you don't have to give in your resignation till the end of July or end of January. Sorry. And uh, as far as I know, they're the latest school around in Asia yet that is like that. That's, like most schools are. I haven't heard that late. Yeah. I mean, I think it's January 20th they have to let people know. So it's after the first two recruiting fairs. 
but most schools in most schools in the Asia region are before winter break. So most of them are coming up here uh, very soon. I know Shanghai American School, I think, comes up right before they leave for winter break. So it's just interesting. Mm. But one of the other sites I wanted yeah, to share think- about uh, Shifted Teachers yeah. uh, before, and we can go back to that conversation, but I want to get this another way, was one I just yeah. shared in the chat room, and this is our first grade team. And this is a little different use of... Uh, technology in that they're using a blog as a way to disseminate information to their parent community. And you can see we've just got done setting up a WordPress MU site uh, at inside.isb.ac.th slash smart ones is the name of the, is the web link there. But this is all uh, six of the first grade, all five of the first grade teachers, plus the ESL teacher, plus the academic support person, um, all blog on this place and give updates to parents. So it's been really great, uh, a great way for them to give updates to parents. They're doing all kinds of great things in their classroom. And it's been a good start for first grade teachers to see the power in it. And one of the first things that I did mm-hmm. when I helped them set this up was to hook them up with Google Analytics so that they could see that there were people that were actually reading their blog. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing with kids. You know, kids When kids find out that there's an authentic audience and people are reading it, they see a purpose to it and all of a sudden it means a little bit more and they go back to it. And it was the same thing with our teachers that since they, we just moved it. So their numbers have dropped a little bit, but right after back to school night, when they launched this to the parent community, they saw a huge spike in their numbers and they were getting between 80 and 90 unique hits. And I'm not sure what it is now, but I know they make it a point of Vu, who's their technology leader makes it a point to, actually bring up the stats at team meetings so people know, hey, look, at this month or this week, you know, we had 50, 50 unique people looked at our website. And it means so much to teachers and gives you a reason to actually put forth that effort. You know, I think back when I was a teacher and I was sending home a newsletter every Friday, I never got a report of how many of those newsletters actually made it home to parents. And here you actually get to see, I mean, because Google Analytics will break it down. How many were in Thailand? Where were they at in Thailand? Like you can zoom right in based on IP address, pretty close where they were. And then you can probably infer that most of those are parents or at least the ISB community. So this is a, this is a group of teachers that are very shifted. They've also moved their complete planning for their team planning meeting is all done on a Google Doc. So they all get into the Google Doc and they're yes. going at it and that's how they plan their meetings. And then when they come together, the meeting's all planned and they just work through work through the issues that they need to. So it's a, I think it's a great little it's a great little site to kind of wrap your head around or to show teachers when you're saying, hey, what's the power of blogging? How does this work? Sometimes it's not sometimes it's hard for teachers to wrap their head around how does this look in the hands of kids? And once in a while, it's good to take a step back and say, well, what does this look like in your hands? How does this become a communication vehicle for you as a teacher? And once you understand that, then let's talk about the kids. So it'll be interesting to see how this evolves over the year. Um, they're getting really good. We just moved them to our new install. They're one of the first blogs we moved there because they're one of our, our biggest bloggers uh, in the elementary school as far as parent communication stuff that they always try to get stuff up there. Uh, there's, what, two posts up there last week. So... Or, or yesterday, matter. So anyways, I just yeah. wanted to share that one before we kind of wrapped it up here. I will ask if there's anybody in the chat room that has any questions or anything they want to talk about uh, real quick. I'm thinking that I got all the questions from earlier. There might have been another question up here that I missed. Um, there was one for... I think there was one that somebody asked to you, David. I'm seeing if I can mm-hmm. find the question. 
I don't think. Oh, okay. Brian Lockwood, this was one. How, uh, how did ISB get so lucky to find Chrissy? And this goes back to kind of teacher recruiting. Um, yes. And then there's another question after I finish this one is someone has for you, what portfolio tool was it uh, from earlier? What portfolio tool were you talking about? So let's talk about Chrissy mm-hmm. first. What happened was we have administrators, our elementary uh, administrators here went out and got Christy. There was nothing about having Christy come. They went out and got her from New Zealand. They, I, they keyed in on her. That was the teacher they wanted. That was the teacher, the type of teacher they want to hire. And so once they had her in their, uh, in their crosshairs, it was a matter of just getting her hair. And administrators are so good at being able to sell their programs. Uh, good administrators are, are really good at being able to sell their programs. And our elementary principal is no different. And so they went out and got Chrissy. There was no applying for the position. They knew who they wanted when hmm. they opened the position up and they went and got her. And they've already started doing it again for this year. I mean, our elementary principal, when she finds out that there's somebody great out there and they're available, whether or not they've applied to our school, she goes and gets them. And it's great because we're made, we're seeing a lot of changes in our elementary staff as we're bringing in people that understand not only not just technology, mm-hmm. but in learning in general about what are some of the things that need to happen. And she understands her school and what kind of teachers her school needs and she goes out and gets them. And I think that's just, I think that's part of this new landscape of hiring that you're not waiting for teachers to come to you to apply for your job. That if you have a job opening and there's a great teacher out there, go out and get them, you know, and whether or not they were thinking they might, they might want to recruit this year. It does, it does nothing. It doesn't hurt to go out and say, Hey, we've got a job opening and we'd really like you to apply. Uh, you know, that's what they did to me last year. I, we weren't really thinking of leaving mm-hmm. and all of a sudden the opportunity came open and here I am. So it's, it's something that's working with, uh, for her and, uh, seems to be working for the school as well. So with that, uh, the portfolio tool that you were talking about earlier in your one example. Yes. Yeah. And I'll just add one quick comment and that's back to our constant theme of leadership, that when you can get uh, your administrators and you can give them the time, that's that's a, a big item, to let them be proactive like that. What do Apple and Google do? They go out and they get the, the, the people that they want and they get the, the, we always say, the right people on the bus. So that says a lot about your administ- administrators and kudos to, to them for, for that kind of farsighted effort. And, and I did want to say back to your uh, Google Analytics I mean, that sounds like a real research possibility because I look at the tipping point. I've got Malcolm Gladwell's new book right now that made me th- just think back to the tipping point. What is the tipping point in, in a community there where um, enough parents start hearing about, oh, have you, have you checked the class blog or this information's there or did you see the slideshow that's posted and word gets out that you hit the point that it just becomes – Within that grade level, everyone's going to clue in. And then, as you and I know, as as farmer technology integrationists, we plant seeds and we water and we hope it spreads. Then before you know it, it starts spreading to these other grades. So that will be an interesting one to kind of watch and maybe do some uh, assessment of some of your parents, just touching base with them. When did you hear about, why did you start connecting to this blog and 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 what would you like to see um, cuz that is that is one of the things when we were when we were back in hong kong when the revamping of the of the was to instead of using email so much teach parents to set up their their rss feeder so that they could just subscribe and teachers could subscribe and so much would be 
what's the information you need, and and you get it all through your iGoogle page or whatever you want to use. And uh, it would be neat for a school like yours if it continues to hire shifted people and just people that are willing to take risk and try new things. And and then you know the parents kind of want to keep up with each other. And they hear one grade level is doing something, and they go, oh, why isn't my grade level doing that? Then you really get that, that real positive uh, uh, push from the parents to say, this is what we want. And that's another theme that we keep hitting on. The more that we can re-educate parents about what learning is and, and bring them into the community, as, a, as we always use that cliche, as partners, but bring them in and, and get their input and uh, – Build in these these tools that allow us to share information. Uh, it's it's exciting. I'm 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 gonna from Europe afar, wherever we are. Hopefully, we'll be that. We'll, I'll I'll be keeping an eye on what you're doing there, Jeff. There in uh, Bangkok. Yeah, we'll see. Now, now for the port- <laughs> we'll see for the portfolio tool. Um, and I can't speak. F- f- I I, um, I follow Helen. I can't remember Helen's last name. The big portfolio uh, guru and I feel bad I can't remember her last name but I don't I don't even know what any of the tools are but we're a Mac school a one-to-one school so we use iWeb and it's that simple and uh, the one weakness is it doesn't allow tagging and that's we're trying to work around it in the navigation for the uh, for each child's portfolio because we would love to tag with these five learning outcomes um, is it in, in other Yes. Okay. Exactly. And 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 I know in my in the past she has mentioned different tools that people use and I uh but we just use iWeb it works well and as as you and I know when you when you want to bring in photos, sound files, everything it's just wonderful it all integrates well. So that that's my my answer to to that one. Do you, do you know of any you know like my Dragon app they uh Justin built just built it into the uh to the virtual learning environment, but I don't know. Is there something out there on the market? Well, at Shanghai American School, they're just using WordPress blogs because it has tagging, it mm. has categories. You can upload, uh, uh, you can upload documents. Okay. The kids can link them into different things. Uh, and then what they do is mm-hmm. they just have a category called portfolio. And by the time conferences mm. come around, they have to have whatever whatever the requirements are for the kid. I'm not sure. Like three things from social studies, three things from science. It would be good, actually, to get maybe we'll see if we can get Amanda Ducardi on again because she's been a big implement, implementer yes. behind that. If we're, if we're interested in ePortfolios and people want to learn more, she'd be a great person to get in because she's running the middle school program up there at Shanghai, and she, I know she'd love to come on and talk about that as well. So. That would be excellent, excellent. Um, uh, let, me sh- let me share one more. <laughs> in this, I hope... I don't know if my boys are going to listen to this podcast because it kind of ties into their their dream. They want Spore as a computer game, and uh, my wife and I, are, technology is a big part of our professional lives, but our, our private life, we're very careful about it, and our boys are huge readers, and we don't do a whole lot with computer gaming, but we found Spore to be a very interesting thing. Um, Game and uh, it really connects to Panda did another unit uh, expedition and it w- it's called Why Do We Need a Snarfle Mucker? And I don't know if she created that or if it's just out there in the science world. You're a science teacher, right, Jeff? Uh, no, I'm an elementary teacher, which means I teach nothing no, and everything. 
but before you started all the IT stuff, I thought you were a science teacher. No, uh, no, I'm you, certified you, you K eight. Well, I'm certified K eight, and I was a fourth, fifth, uh-huh. sixth grade teacher before I hit the technology stuff. Oh, you had to be a fun teacher. That's great to have a guy like you in elementary. <laughs> all right. So, uh, but you would. This would be your kind of expedition. All right. So the essential question is: Why is one animal so important? And um, this inquiry-based unit looks a little different than the one she would do when she was a high school teacher because she, she taught it at our school with eighth graders. And so she provided a bit more scaffolding for the students while still allowing them to explore their own questions and build their own understanding. And she, she shared with me, keeping the end in mind, uh, the the students create an entire ecosystem around a snorkel, a snorkel mucker that was brought back from the planet Darwinius. They can present their information as a documentary, a website, a hyperlink keynote, or an illustrated book. First, um, they first started by researching biomes and creating a narrated, uh, narrated keynote presentation to show what they learned about their research. Uh, then... Panda showed them a picture of the Snarfelmucker, and she posted it on her blog. And uh, right now, it looks like they're working on this right now, they are currently writing a paper connecting their research and the characteristics of the animal to decide what biome they think it lived in. So she gave them a representation of it, had certain type of characteristics that were, I'm only guessing, adapted from the biome that uh, she, she had put it in. So then she writes, the next task will be to learn, how, to learn about populations and communities and analyze a school-wide predator-prey simulation, which is going to be a lot of fun, Panda mm-hmm. says, and discuss the different relationship that animals can have, but it's still in progress. And I emailed her back and I said, had she heard of Spore? And she hadn't. So I told her that sounded like a good uh, Christmas present for her and her husband. No, that's but very that cool. was That was very creative. Yeah, Nicole. You know, it's either that or let's read about animals in a textbook, right? I mean. <laughs> Which one would we choose, yeah. I tell you? <laughs> Which one's going to engage kids in a learning process, right? I mean, that's what it's about. So. Uh. All right. Well, I think it's about ready to wrap up this episode. Uh, thanks, David. This has been great. I think this is our last <laughs> one of 2008, too. So I think this is our it is. podcast. It is. is I, I know. Now, are you have any plans for the holiday? We were going to go to Borneo, but the closer we came to recruiting, we just said, you know what, we're going to need to stay and hang out and, and, and think and process. Because once you, you get word back, and we're getting word back from schools, we really need to investigate them. We have two uh, middle school sons, and we've got a find the right school for them. And so it's going to be a lot more research. But what about you? What are you, what are you two doing? Uh, we're not doing anything for the fun at all. We are uh, headed to mm-hmm. Zurich and then we will fly Ooh. into Zurich and then we will take the night train into Prague where we'll spend a week with uh, our friend who now works at the international school of Prague. And I'm going to be meeting up with John Micton and he's going to take me on a tour yeah. of their school because they've gone one to one and hang out with him a little bit and hang out with our friend in Prague. And then we're going to train to Vienna spend two days in Vienna and then train back to Zurich where we'll ski, spend New Year's and hang out with Jason Welker, uh, who used to be at Shanghai uh-huh. American school and is now teaching at Zurich international school. So yeah, a horrible, horrible break in my future. And I'm so <laughs> looking forward to it. So, yeah. And you're going to be in charge of looking for jobs for me, buddy. That's right. While you're there, be- <laughs> check them out. 
Find out who's shifted. All Tell right. them Dave and Margaret Carpenter. They're interested. Speaking of Europe, let me just let me just share. Um, in the middle of January, we will pick up with our next next episode. Uh, and our essential question will be how to recruit shifted teachers. And uh, Jeff, you wrote a wonderful blog last year, blog post. And I tried to, to do a follow-up in the international educator. I just never got around to, to writing about uh, – I really wanted to challenge administrators to say, are you ready to, sh- to, to hire shifted teachers and, and what are you going to do about it? Um, but I didn't get around to it, and, and maybe at some point I'll, I'll do that. But we're going to have Greg Mancata, uh, an, a very, very shifted uh, educator we worked with many years ago. He's the high school principal at the American International School in Vienna and an uh, off-the-chart smart fella. And so he's going to come in and talk to us about how he hires and rec- recruits and hires shifted teachers. That's very good. And uh, seeing that you're going to plug it, I was going to keep this a secret, but I'll let it leak on the podcast. That version two of my interview questions for international teachers or for international administrators yes. will be out Friday on my blog. And I've been awesome. working with Andy Torres for the last week. So I have a, a true shifted administrator here in the international mm-hmm. world who's been helping me craft the questions and the answers that administrators should be looking for. And so we've just about finished up that document, and our goal is to have that posted. So you can either find it on uh, Andy Torres's blog with his uh, Sediments on a Common Sense or on my blog, com. So on Friday, be looking for that, and then that'll lead into uh, when we have – uh, our next one in January, we'll have those to talk about and, and everything else. So that'll be good. So be looking for those questions, um, and we'll see we'll see if we can go from there. So thank you, everybody, for uh, joining us on Stick'em tonight. It seems to be working pretty good. People seem to like the audio quality better than Ustream. Uh, but the 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 pro- one of the problems with Stick'em is you actually have to be signed in to use the chat. And so I, d- I don't know any way around that. Maybe there is, but right now... Um, the only way I can see you to be able to chat is to actually have a Stick'em account. But we'll see how this works. Uh, people seem to be liking it. I found it pretty easy to get set up. So on my end, it wasn't wasn't anything different. And it's recording. And we'll just play with things because that's part about what education is about, is going out there and playing with new things. And we'll see how this goes. So everybody enjoy the rest of 2008. What's left? Uh, David and I are going to take a break over the holiday season, spend some time with our family, and we'll be back in January with uh, some more essential questions and some more Shifting Our School podcasts. So until then, happy holidays, everyone, and keep shifting those schools. 